Joining me now on the Green Light Pod, a buddy of mine, somebody who is on the up and up, on the mend, NFL Network producer Jason Hartilius. What the hell's been going on, man? <laughs> What's been going on is I've been in bed a lot for. We're going on 17 days now, if you include the three days I spent in the hospital. So uh, it's been a long couple of weeks, but I've I have no idea what day it is, no idea what time it is. I just know it's it's day 17. And for those of you listening who haven't seen Jason talk about it, uh, Jason tested positive for COVID and had to deal with um, quite the experience as a lot of people uh, are dealing with right now throughout the country and all over the world. You were in the hospital for how long, Jace? I was in the hospital for three days. Um, I probably should have gone earlier than I did. I kept telling myself I was getting better. It was... Uh, it was Wednesday night. I think it was March 18th. Uh, I was in the middle of a crazy week for NFL free agency. Uh, I had to be up at five in the morning for work. So I woke up at nine. I was waking up every night to make sure I didn't miss any big news. And I woke up at nine and had a hundred and two something fever. Um, and I called my doctor. They actually called back right away. Uh, they said at my age, I'm 42. I'm healthy. No conditions that could contribute to this. They said, not worth bringing me in for a test, just isolate and, hope no other symptoms set in and check back in in a day or two um and at times on thursday i thought maybe i was getting better maybe i just had a 24-hour thing um or was tired i'd been working a lot of hours that week you know i I kept telling myself oh you don't have it you'll be fine and then friday afternoon um about two o'clock all of a sudden i felt like i couldn't breathe um and then i started coughing trying to talk made me cough trying to take deeper breaths made me cough or it was more than a cough. It was almost like a gag. Like I was gasping for air. Um, so I called the doctor back. They rushed me in for a test. I was in and out of the doctors. Oh, I never went in. I went to a tent in the parking lot. Um, just one doctor there alone, um, testing for this. And, uh, I was in and out in 10 minutes. Um, but he told me based on a, you know, physical examination, he said, you definitely have it. Um, and, they kind of gave me instructions, you know, what other symptoms to look out for, what the threshold was to go to the hospital. So that was on a Friday, and I didn't go to the hospital till Tuesday. Looking back, I probably should have gone by by Sunday. Um, it got to the point where I was just constantly, like, breathing heavy, like I had just finished, like, a CrossFit class or something. Like, just, just could not around. catch me. Just sitting around. And when it, one of the things that made me realize I had to go to the hospital was, so I'm um, isolated in our, our master bedroom at home. Um, it's probably about 10 steps to get to the toilet. And it got to the point where I didn't know if I had enough breath in me to get up and make it to the toilet. And then I would, I would make it to the bathroom and then I'd sit down on the toilet thinking to myself, how am I going to get back to bed? Um, and when that, when that was that bad, when it was that bad, that was one of those things that told me like, you need to go to the hospital, um, that, and just not being able to sleep for more than an hour or two at a time. So I didn't, I didn't really sleep right for probably at least a week. Yeah. So, so starting with the, the first sign of danger for you, that was Friday. It was Wednesday. Wednesday was the fever. But then the other, the other signs. Yeah. Hey, this shit might be serious. I mean, this might not be your run of the mill fever, which I keep hearing stories about people going to bed, waking up with a fever. Like you probably feel great when you went to bed or normal. Felt fine. Yep. And then you wake up and, and you know, your first thought, I don't know, do you think you were in denial or what percentage of your brain was like, yeah, this could be that thing? I was, I would say 99% in denial. Yeah. Um, I, cause I, I went to bed feeling fine. 
Um, and I mean, you know how it is now that you're on our side of the business here. Like I had a show to do the next day. Like I'm not, not going to go into work until I realized, Oh shit, I can't go into work. Um, because I can't, you know, even I don't know if I have it, but I can't risk infecting everybody else. Even if it was like the flu, you'd have to, I mean, you'd be wise to stay home and you'd be a good neighbor staying home. Yep. What's, what's amazing is, so I worked at the week of free agency, the Saturday before it started through Wednesday at NFL films, working on NFL network shows. And, um, nobody I worked with got sick, which is amazing. They had the facilities people like a pit crew, like following us everywhere, cleaning everything we touched, cleaning our office after we were in there. The second we got up in the control room, when shows were done, they came in and wiped everything down. And, you know, we, we legit tried to keep, our distance from each other as much as possible. You know, at some point you're in a control room, so I'm sitting next to a director. But um, for the most part, we 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 kept our distance, and amazingly, nobody else got sick. I've been checking with the people I was I was closest with, and everybody's fine. Well, I mean, and you're hearing different things about the transmittability of it. It sounds like it's at least probably three times. I don't know. I've read ton of different stuff as you have, I'm sure. But like, so so my doctors. It's funny to hear them say that they're trying to figure it out too. Yeah, I mean, when the doctors aren't sure, and I think that's what gives everybody such worry right now is it's not a situation you can get on WebMD and read about. There's no foregone conclusions or roadmaps, and I think we as people generally struggle with roadmaps in society. We don't have one right now societally, so like you don't know when things are going to get back to quote unquote normal. Uh, spoiler alert, I think we're going to be here a while. And then second, I think when you deal with your own health, we're so used to having answers. Even if it's if there's some uh, outcome that's likely bad, at least we know it. And with, with this COVID, it just doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason uh, to who's going to struggle with it and whatnot. You mentioned being healthy, 42, uh, pillar of health, if I might say so myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> But your first thing was you you couldn't breathe and you you it's not like uh it's not it's unlike any shortness of breath you've had before unlike any cough you've had because you said it's more of a gasp and that's what I keep hearing describe a gasp to me I mean you know if you're a smoker you know when you when you hit something too hard it feels like your lungs are burning and you can't breathe in all the way I'm not asking you to liken it to that but I, I'm I'm just wondering how I could possibly imagine that having never felt it before. Um, what that feels like so it it's different that it 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 hits different than anything i've ever ever had before i've had mono i've had i had mono and bronchitis oh, i had mono oh yeah mono twitter was big a couple months back with well, sam darnold yeah because darnold i'm a mono survivor when i was in college <laughs> i lost a solid 25 pounds my first fucking year on campus had to miss like all these big games. My uvula swole up, so I couldn't swallow or breathe. It was freaky. So it was worse than mono. Yeah, it it was different. I had mono. I lost forty something pounds. I think I came back to school. Nobody recognized me. Um, missed an entire college baseball season. Ended up driving the tractor the rest of the season and cleaning up after batting practice. You came back, but uh, on base now. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> unrecognizable. Yeah. Um. So. This was different because when I've, I had mono and bronchitis in the same school year way back when, um, I've had bronchitis, you know, a few times, um, you know, the common cold, the flu, whatever you always have something, whether it's in your chest, whether it's in your nose, whether it's in your throat, you know, you, you could feel you're just sick. There's stuff in there that mm-hmm. shouldn't be in there. I had nothing. 
my nose was clear. My throat was clear. I felt nothing in my chest. I felt like I've seen people describe it as like somebody like tying a belt around their chest. Mm. I, I, I can kind of see that. There were times when I felt like somebody was choking me. Like I felt like I was in a movie and a bad guy was choking me and I couldn't break free. It was Kevin Bacon um, in, in, um, yeah. in Hollow Man. <laughs> you had a Hollow yeah. Man situation. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was wild and I just you felt like you couldn't catch it was just a Jesus. nonstop and just felt like I could not could not catch my breath no matter what I did. And then um the reason I put off going to the hospital is because I would have I would have a really bad hour or two and think, Oh my god, I might be dying. And then it would slow down for an hour and I'd tell myself, Okay, I'm getting better. And then it would it would come back. Um, so it was I, I've never felt anything quite like that where I didn't I had a fever. Um, the fever was up and down wildly, up to hundred and two point I think hundred and two point six was the highest I ever yeah. was. Yeah. But then it it would go down at one point it was like 96.8 and it would go up and down and up and down. Sometimes I would take it three times in an hour and it would be up, down, up. Um, so, so I had the you, you were shivering and then you're, you're hot again and you can't. Yeah. yeah. There were a couple and nights, a couple nights taking right? the blanket off and then putting it back on is, is tiresome. Yeah. I haven't changed my sheets now again. Today's day nice. 17. This is good. This is the stuff we're here. <laughs> my bedroom looks like a crime scene. Uh, my wife who has been doing an amazing job taking care of me. She leaves stuff at the door for me. Like I'm a stray cat. She yeah. leaves food on the floor. Um, it's every been... man's dream other than being <laughs> sick. <laughs> right. Don't come out of the room. Stay Don't get room, out of bed. Watch movies, whatever. Uh, when you finally went to the hospital, and to refresh the timeline, yeah. you got sick Wednesday with a fever. Friday, you got the symptoms up top in the respiratory, and then you're into the hospital Sunday, at which point you are plugged up to oxygen through the nose, right? Because that's yeah. different than I, I know a lot of people are thinking when they hear ventilator, you know, they because when this whole thing started, why would I know what a ventilator looks like or operates like? This is just oxygen that you would get in your nose and it made you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So it was actually, so it was Sunday when I should have gone to the hospital. I actually didn't go until Tuesday. I made up my mind overnight, Monday, probably like three or four in the morning. I said, I need to go to the hospital. I gave it a couple hours. So I didn't freak my wife out at three in the morning. Um, and I probably went around 7am had to call an ambulance. So the, the oxygen actually started in the ambulance. They asked if I was okay to walk, downstairs so they didn't have to come into the room the two the two emts who showed up there covered head to toe with face shields on like hockey style face shields um i didn't realize how what made me realize how weak i really was was when i had to walk down the stairs and i was going one step at a time like i was 100 years old it was um it was rough so i get into the ambulance um and they checked my oxygen level uh, it was, I think it was like 93%, which is low, anything lower yeah, than 95, 95, right? That's what yeah. they're, they're saying that, is it true as an aside, have you asked your doctors about the O2 meter or whatever you put on your finger that they've been saying is a really good thing to have handy right now? Yeah, they are. I don't have one. Um, my sister-in-law is a nurse. She offered me to send one. She has it home, but I told her to keep it. Her and my brother have a couple little kids. I'm like, you may need it. Don't, yeah, exactly. don't give that up. Mm-hmm. I'm on, I'm on the way back up now. So they, when I got tested, it was actually like 91, 92, which is like borderline. You need to go to the hospital. Um, and when I was in the ambulance, it was, I think it was like 92, 93. Um, so they put oxygen up my nose and within a minute or two, 
it was up to like 98, 99%, um, made an instant difference for me. I, I know that's probably not the case for everybody, but it made an in- instant difference for me. I never got put on a ventilator. Um, just luckily I didn't need it. My case didn't rise to that level, I guess, for as bad as I was. Um, which makes me think I can't imagine how bad it must be for them to put you. I mean, you yeah. must be, you know, unconscious. God. I couldn't breathe and I didn't need the regular oxygen helped me enough. What was wild though, is they tested my vital signs several times a day. Um, uh, that's a whole nother story. The way they would come into your room, you're basically in the room by yourself. Yeah. Talk, hospital, talk about that wild. because, because that, I mean, like, you know, the, the psychological part of this thing, one, okay, me laying my fears out. Number one, I'm afraid for my parents, okay? You know, that's how everybody should be. But, like, as things come out more and more, younger, healthy people like yourself or, um, you know, a number of people about my age have gotten sick and have really struggled. I think that I would probably struggle. I mean, I just know that I run high fevers. When I was a kid, I used to get pneumonia a lot. And it fucking scares me. And it also scares me, like, as somebody with anxiety the prospect of sitting in a or not a hotel room i wish uh, a hospital bed with people that are afraid to come in and communicate with you even the doctors and folks like that i've heard it's it's kind of like isolation in the hospital yeah it is um what i'll say first is the doctors and nurses and techs and everybody who came in were fearless it was wild they would do they would do this routine where um they came outside your door they covered up with fresh, like disposable plastic scrubs, head to toe, put on a fresh mask, uh, and had a face shield on. I think the face shield was the only thing they would reuse. They would come in the room. They asked me if you need us for anything, try to prioritize so we can bang out a couple things at once, Mm. but they would come in the room and then there was a big garbage can by the door to the room. And as they, when they were ready to leave the room, they would stand at the door, quickly take everything off except for the face shield and throw it out in the garbage can in my room. So they didn't bring my germs back out into the hospital. So they would kind of, you know, take everything off, throw it in the garbage and get out of the room as quickly as possible. My first room in the hospital, I had to switch rooms on day two. My first room had a window and they would yell through the glass on the, on the door window on the door. And they would yell through the glass at me. Um, it was kind of funny. Um, but they would ask me questions, a lot of thumbs up, thumbs down, a lot of facial expressions, um, pseudo sign language. Yeah. And then on day two, middle of day two, they moved me to the room across the hall. Um, I guess the room I was in had some sort of, uh, had some sort of technology that I didn't need that they needed for somebody else. Right. Um, so they moved my room across the hall. That room did not have a window on the door. Um, so they would kind of, a couple times they banged on the door, tried to yell through it. A couple times they cracked the door and tried to yell through it, um, which was pretty wild. But I, they, there were, every morning when I woke up, there'd be two nurses who came in. They would check all my vital signs, make sure everything was okay. Um, the doctor came in, I think, once a day. She might have come in twice on the second day. But um, the doctor kind of limited the actual contact with you. Yeah. Um, and then the nurses would come in as you need. And then uh, two nurses would come in and help me kind of get ready for bed and test everything before I went to bed. But to see these people, not with, I hate to call anybody out. There was one nurse who I could tell was scared. She was not so, not so sure she wanted to be there. And I felt bad. Yeah. Told, like, I can't be mad. I felt bad for her. She was clearly yeah. scared. Um, but other than that, 
then they were completely fearless. It was like just another day at the office for them. It's, you know, I said to someone the other day, you know, the, you know, the expression, you know, while everybody's running out of the burning building, the, the firemen run in. That's yeah. kind of what this kind of what this felt like watching them walk um, into my room. It was it was it was wild to see. It's an unbelievable um, prospect to me because we're living in a time right now where normal is essentially if you can hunker down and if you're lucky enough financially, um, you know, from a standpoint of having the things you need, you know, your your if your your livelihood isn't fractured to the degree where you're stressing out, which I'm very blessed to be in that situation right now. It's still daunting to think about isolation and the fear of what's out there. I can only imagine saying every day, every fucking day, I'm going to put that mask on and I'm going to, as you said, run into the burning building. It's, it's unbelievable to me. I have a buddy in, in St. Louis, uh, Dr. Voss, who uh, was my team doctor in St. Louis for the Rams. Shout out to Dr. Voss. He'll send me pictures with his mask on, like, hey, I'm going into the uh, COVID floor right now, you know, and just imagining as I'm getting ready to go to bed and I'm stressed out or a little bit depressed that the world is going the way it's going right now, at least I'm sitting in my house and I'm safe and my kids are safe. And he has to make decisions and these folks have to make decisions at some point where they say, do I come home or not? Do I sleep in my car? Because I don't want to take this home to my family. My, uh, my primary care doctor not at the hospital but just for my regular doctor's office when i when i spoke to him yesterday on a, on a video call he said he's got to go to the hospital to make rounds um and he said he's been leaving his scrubs in the trunk of his car right. um and just kind of let him be for a little bit and give it a few days and then he's going to put him in a garbage bag bring him in the house and th- I like the, it just the things you never had to think about before. It's something as simple as the clothes you're wearing. It's packages outside. It, I mean like groceries. Okay. So like when uh, they started and people were like, Hey, but you can still get takeout. Like I understand that takeout is not a primary transmitter and that generally you shouldn't worry about it, but it's still a lot of contact. It's still, you know, there's, it's a lot of these details and realities are emergent and, There's just so many things you have to be nervous about. What did you, like, you're on this floor. Okay, which hospital are you at? How many COVID uh, patients are in this hospital, to your knowledge? Are you on a floor where everybody has COVID? How did they, like, and did you hear people in rooms next door, uh, you know, paint a picture of what's going on in this hospital in your floor? So I was at Riddle Hospital, which is only, it's only about 10 minutes from my house. Uh, It's in media Pennsylvania. I'm not from this area, so I don't really know my way around. I've lived here a few years, but I really don't know my way around this area very well. I didn't even know this hospital existed. Um, so uh, they they pull me in, in the ambulance, they bring me in the emergency room, and they throw me in the, the room closest to the door, probably just to get me out of the you know open emergency room area. So they throw me in the first room, hook me up to oxygen, hook me up to all sorts of monitors and uh, you know, it's, you hear the beep, beep, beep while you're sitting in bed next to your head. It's a little, it's a little unsettling. Yeah. Um, hoping it doesn't flatline. And uh, you're sitting there, and I, it was hard to see, but I could, I could, I could see uh, the in probably the half hour after I came in, there were three or four more people wheeled in, and they were all significantly older than me. I would say, sixties, seventies, maybe older, um, and. One of them had, you know, there, there didn't seem to be anything urgent with most of them, but one of them, you could tell there was a sense of urgency and there were more nurses 
and techs and doctors or whoever they were around this one structure that came by and that it looked pretty serious. And this was, you know, somebody who was, I would guess probably in their seventies. And I'm sitting there thinking like, I can't breathe right now. And you know, I'm in my forties and healthy. How does that person have a fighting chance against this? It's kind of like to watch that go by your hospital room. And then when nobody comes in your room for the next 20 minutes, you kind of realize like, yeah, I might not be the top priority at the moment. Um, so I was in the emergency room for a couple hours in that room. Then they wheeled me upstairs. Um, it seems like the hospital basically had shut off anything that wasn't COVID. Um, I think, don't quote me on this, because I didn't really, it was hard to see. I was on a, you know, stretcher. You. You're just on the <laughs> most popular podcast. That's right. Yeah. But I, I think the wing I was in would normally be like a, uh, like a heart type patient yeah, area yeah, yeah. of the hospital, but it was dedicated to uh, coronavirus patients. I only saw one other patient. Um, it was the guy in the room next door to me as they were wheeling me into my room. I would guess he was probably 70 something. If I had to guess, yeah. um, he was sitting up in bed. It didn't look like he was in any distress. Um, but I kind of made eye contact with him just for a, just for a brief second as I walked in or as I was wheeled in, I should say. Um, and, uh, and that was really all I saw. The nurses told me the little kind of department I was in had 10 rooms, all COVID patients. They told me I wasn't the youngest. They said there was a 30 year old girl who was otherwise healthy, um, who was also there. So needing hospitalization, that means she had major symptoms. Yeah. Yeah, and you know more than just the the slight cough. She she must have been dealing with something similar to what I was. And what's crazy is, for, again, for as bad as I felt, um, and not being able to breathe and all that, they told us this is like the. They didn't say this, but what they essentially were saying was, this wing is people we're not worried are about to check out. Um, they said, you know, th at one point, one of the nurses said to me, be lucky you don't have to be in the ICU because it's not a pretty picture down there. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. And I don't even want to know um, when you're sitting there. And I hope you got that news that you're in you're in a wing that you'd rather be in relatively early to put your mind at ease at all. Are you in a quiet moment? Are you like, am I going to die? You know, I. I I kept thinking about that and what was, what was kind of a, kind of a gut check moment. I couldn't confidently say, I didn't think so, but I couldn't confidently like a hundred percent say, no, I'm not dying, especially, uh, and this is why I stopped watching the, I just had to stop watching the news first day and a half. Probably I was watching a lot of news in the hospital. Um, yeah. and you're seeing these stories about healthy 40 somethings, healthy 50 somethings who were fine. And two days later, they're dead. And I'm sitting there in the hospital and I'm saying to myself, like, I hope I get better. I hope, I didn't know how long I was going to be there when I went in. I thought it might be a week. I, I, I didn't know. I got, I, fortunately I kind of rebounded relatively quickly. Um, but I'm sitting there and I couldn't confidently say, no, you're definitely not going to die. I there were, there was, I had a window, both rooms I was in had windows kind of looking out over the emergency room exit, um, which, you know, emergency room or entrance, I should say to a hospital, you know, it was normally a pretty busy place and there was one security guard standing there and that was it other than when ambulances pulled up. And I, I had a couple kind of long talks with myself staring out the window. Like you're not you, like, you can't, you can't let some virus kill you. Especially when I kept joking with myself, I lived in a fraternity house for three years. 
I had houses at the Jersey shore for years. Like, I feel like I've, I've trained my body to be able to put up with a lot. You survived I, it all. I survived all that stuff. Yeah. I can't let a virus get me. Like there's, I just, I can't, I can't do it, but I couldn't confidently say like, no, you're definitely not dying. Cause for all I know, I go to sleep and never wake up again with the way I was breathing. That's the you know, hard a, part. You're afraid to go to sleep. Right. I was terrified to go to sleep, especially the first night. Um, and I woke up at two thirty and kind of shot up out of bed. Um, and they, they must've seen on the, uh, they didn't have a camera in the room, but they, they had me hooked up to, you know, right. heart and oxygen monitors and all that stuff. And they must've, um, they must've seen something spike or look unusual because two nurses came in at two thirty. They came rushing in to make sure I was okay. Oh, man. Um, well, but it's that's it, the it, only thing that you can feel good about is that if you're starting to lose oxygen in your sleep, it's probably safer than being at home and having sleep apnea and never knowing. And at least you're hooked up to machines. And there are those people we're talking about that are right down the hall. Right. So I actually, you. I actually do have sleep apnea. Um, I was diagnosed with it maybe 10 years ago. Um, and I currently, I do use a CPAP machine, um, I've been, and it's under control. I've been up and down with it. I've been on and off of it. Um, I've been on a pretty good run with it now for several years where I haven't had any problems. Mm-hmm. It's life-changing when it works. I've, like I said, I've had bad stretches, yeah, but when it works, it's life-changing. You feel like a different person when you wake up, when you get a good night's sleep. When I was home before I went to the hospital... I was essentially using the CPAP machine like a ventilator. Even when I wasn't sleeping, I was sitting here with it on. And I almost wonder if that made me, that tricked me into thinking I was doing better than I was. Right. Um, So the first night in the hospital, in addition to all the other stuff, all the other wires I had up to me, they hooked me up on, it was like some supersized, super strength CPAP machine. And I think that's part of what woke me up. It was a different, it was a different feeling from what I'm used to Mm -hmm. at home. Um, and I, when I shot up, I ripped the mask off. Um, so they could probably, they were probably monitoring that too. Wow. So they came in the second night. So I now haven't slept right in a week. And the, the second night, um, same machine, but they kind of tweaked the settings a little bit and they gave me a different mask. And the second night I slept for eight hours and I was, I hadn't slept more than a couple hours in a row in a week. Um, and I woke up and was, was legit confused. I didn't know what time it was, what day it was. Cause I was like, there's no way I just slept that long. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that machine probably had something to do with, uh, you know, with how well I slept. So now you're home. Yeah. And, and what has been the process getting home? You, you still isolated? Still isolated. Just getting out of the hospital was a process. Um, I got there on Tuesday morning. I left on Thursday night. I think it was around six o'clock and, uh, they covered me in, you know, the same way they were, the nurses were covering themselves, they covered me up. They didn't have any, uh, they didn't have large enough of the like plastic scrubs they were using. So I had to wear two, I had to wear one forward and one backward to cover my whole, right. my whole upper body. Um, and they, they put me in a wheelchair and wheeled me, wheeled me. I, I don't know my way around the hospital. It wasn't really all that far. Um, but what was wild is for as busy as you know, this hospital is, the hallways were basically empty. Um, you pass some nurses. I pass, you know, I passed the nurses station at the front of the department I was in. I thanked all them. Um, by the way, you could put all the nurses who worked on me in front of me right now, and I wouldn't recognize any of them because all I saw were the, all I saw were their eyes the whole mm-hmm. time, which was which was crazy. Um, so they wheeled me downstairs. My wife was waiting in the car. They put me in the back seat on the passenger side. 
Um, I was able to get out of the wheelchair and into the car fine on myself. Um, and that's the only time I've seen my wife face to face in now 17 days. She drove, she drove, she drove home 10 minute ride. Um, we got home. I walked into our laundry room, threw out, threw out the scrubs, took off the clothes I was wearing, butt naked, threw the stuff directly in the washing machine, closed the door, uh, and then walked upstairs as quickly as I could and shut the door. And I've been in here ever since that was last Thursday. Today's Friday. So again, total of 17 days with three days in the middle in the hospital. Um, so she's been, my wife, Katie has been leaving food, drinks at the door. We have a, a, a small wine fridge that was in our basement is in here and I have it stacked up with, uh, stocked up with Gatorade, have a Yeti cooler in here that had ice in it. What Gatorade ha- flavor is hitting the best right now? As you said, what, isolation. whatever one I can get, yeah. um, can't really be, we ordered some from the grocery store that took a week to get here. And that was the old, uh, the traditional lemon lime, which is, uh, I've always been partial to, but I'm looking at the pile. There's about 20 empty bottles on the floor next to my bed. Uh, what, what is this? There's a bunch of flavors. Admit, admit that you are, as you've descended into your, um, twisted teenage fantasy of being just locked in your room that you are peeing in bottles i have you know what i came close a couple times i haven't but what <laughs> was it in the hospital when i first got to the er they had all these wires hooked up to me and they just left like a like a cardboard pisser on the table they said if you have to go that's it and i was in there for a few hours i i filled that thing up i think i, I think i peed three you know, times and i filled the thing up and they had to bring me another had, one if you've ever had surgery which i have and having to be stationary they'll give you the the, the jug it always fills up quicker than you quicker think. than you think quicker and you think. the last time i went when i filled it up there was some there was a little bit of spillage oh boy so uh not major but enough spillage i had on a pair of gray like you know basketball shorts there was a little bit of spillage, and then, of course, right after that, they come and wheel me down the hall to do a CAT scan, <laughs> and, and they take dribble. my blankets off, and I got dribble all over my shorts hey, as I'm going in for a CAT scan. It could be worse. As you mentioned, the hospital wasn't uh, wasn't exactly bustling. Uh, when you've been home, are you binging anything, uh, and you know what are you doing to pass the time? So, I actually I haven't watched as much... TV as you might think because I've been sleeping a lot and also just trying to get comfortable and it's hard to it's hard to kind of concentrate for a while if that makes sense yeah um, but I have I have been so I watched Tiger King in two uh, two sittings so I say sittings it's not like I got up anyway but yeah, yeah, in yeah. two in, technically, technically in two chunks <laughs> and I finished it I finished uh, Sitting number two, I finished it. I finished episode seven. It was like, I don't know, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And I just sat here staring at my computer screen for like a good half hour after it ended. Did you to- laugh? I mean, like, is it hard now? I know your your lungs are probably not feeling great. I know they say there's a bunch of... it. Yeah, I le- what's funny is, so I mentioned when I first felt the breathing problems coming on, that actually started because I was laughing. I was on Twitter um, trying to pass the time and somebody posted like a, a March Madness style bracket of Mets misery moments. Oh, um, I was, I was laughing my ass. Off. I couldn't believe Bobby Bonilla's contract was only a two seat. That was outrageous to me. Wow. Um, but I was laughing at that's actually the moment I remember I was laughing at that. And then I realized I couldn't stop laughing. And then I realized I'm not laughing. I'm actually choking. 
And it Holy took me like shit, man. Bobby Bonilla moment is. <laughs> I realized, COVID. yeah, I realized I might be in trouble here. I couldn't, I couldn't, it was like, I was gasping for air, like almost, almost like I was drowning. Like I'd been underwater too long and I just like, you know, popped out after spending too long underwater and I'm gasping for air. That's what it, that's what it felt like. So the lungs feel better now or, you know, 20%, 40%, 50, like what? it's hard to say. See, I feel better. The media types ask you a percentage uh, health wise, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, nobody's 100 percent this time of year. Yeah. So uh, it's hard to say. I am breathing normally. Um, I asked my doctor yesterday if I need to go back in for you know more X-rays or another CAT scan to check. And what he said was interesting. He said if we took another X-ray right now, he goes there would still be pneumonia all in your lungs. So it's not even worth bringing you in. The the good thing is that you're feeling better and you're doing better every day. So that's what we're going to worry about more. He said, unless you start having breathing problems again, we're not even going to worry about a CAT scan. We'll let that stuff work itself out. He said, it'll probably take a couple weeks before you're, you know, fully cleared out. But I don't, I don't feel any, I have no problem breathing now. You, uh, in a video where you didn't look so hot, man, I can say that you're doing better. Uh, knowing you being boisterous, you know, uh, full of energy. And by the way, for those of you listening, I didn't intro this properly. Jason took me under his wing. Uh, this past fall on uh, NFL Next, a show on Amazon I, w- I was on, and we'd, we'd shoot it at NFL Network uh, outside, uh, or NFL uh, Films outside of uh, Philly, and Jason was a big part of uh, any relative success I had on the show, K. Adams. So, Jason, uh, all the heavy hitters. So, yeah, I guess, Thank you. I guess, you know, when I watched the video, it just didn't seem like you, and I, I knew you weren't doing well. But one thing that was clear to me is that you were you seem frustrated about the testing process. Yeah, the the testing process. I was frustrated because my doctors were frustrated. I saw two different doctors at my primary care office, and I saw one. Do- I saw an emergency room doctor in the hospital. I saw uh, the admitting doctor, and then I also saw an infectious disease doctor. So I guess that's a total of five. Right. Um, ma- hashtag math. Um, <laughs> and that. They all said the same thing, like, yeah, we know you have it, but it's frustrating to not have to not have that official diagnosis in front of us because what if you don't? Then we're treating this wrong. Right. On the off chance, you, doctors don't like making decisions, let alone potentially life-altering decisions, without having everything in front of them. They need to make those decisions. And they all said they weren't shy about it. They said, you know you know, we really need those tests. And they told me, my doctor's office told me, I took the test on a Friday. They told me I'd have the results by Tuesday or Wednesday. It took until Friday. Um, I actually didn't get my results until I was already home from the hospital. So in my case, it probably wouldn't have changed a ton other than the doctors saying, you know, I asked about, you know, some of the drugs you're hearing people talk about, you know, Oh, maybe this will work or maybe that'll work. And what they said was, we, you know, one, we don't know if those things work. All the doctors said this. They said, we don't know if those things work. We don't feel comfortable giving them without any sort of data to back it up. And two, we don't know if you have it. So we don't want to put these powerful drugs into you. And on the off chance, this actually isn't COVID. This is something else you're fighting or maybe just plain old, you know, bronchitis or bronchitis or, or pneumonia. They said, we don't want to pump these drugs into you if you don't need them. And that's a, it was, it was, Interesting to hear. The other thing that was wild to hear doctors say, um, multiple doctors, when I would ask questions like, 
you know, how long is this going to be in my system? How long am I going to be contagious? How long do I have to stay in the room at home? When can I leave the house again? They would say stuff like, we haven't seen enough serious cases recover to know, hmm. which is crazy to think about, to hear these doctors who spent the, you know, their lives. In the beta stage. I right. Mean, like you're literally ground zero in the United States and in, in our healthcare system. You're on the tail end of ground zero. I mean, right. so, you know, with the, with that, you know, that lead time on when you can get out and get back to normal, which by the way, is like, okay, you might be in, in a week or something, you might be out of quarantine, but life is still not normal. I mean, right. You know, and what's, what's helping me right now. So I'm a, uh, I'm a freelance producer for the NFL. So I essentially get paid by the day. And after free agency, this is kind of a downtime for me anyway. Right. So work-wise, it's not really hitting me too bad yet. It's going to hurt around the draft. You know, last year I got a bunch of work around the draft. Um, but I basically work, you know, six if not seven days a week during the football season. And then my off-season kind of kind of, um, kind of ebbs and flows a little bit. I'll have, you know, I'll work, you know, three days one week, three days the next week. Then I might not work for two or three weeks sometimes. So uh, I'm in no rush to go anywhere and that's what i keep telling myself like don't rush because you got nowhere to go anyway it's not like i'm going to work the sports media it, people like you i mean like you're freelance you mentioned the ebb and flow but are you talking to your colleagues in in the industry right now and what what's it done to folks that are whether they're streaming from their house or you know no one's being asked to to travel and go on assignment for anything how's it affecting the sports media industry. You know, it's funny. You mentioned nobody's been asked to travel. My original assignment for free agency, I was supposed to go to Tampa to hang out in case Tom Brady signed there. Wow. Um, and I ended up, the funny thing was we didn't even talk about this. I think, I don't know for sure. I think I got it at spring training. I went to spring training for fun from March 8th to March 11th. Um, I got a fever, seven, eight days after that and got really sick 10 days after that. So my best guess is I got it there, you know, two airports, two planes, hotel, bars, restaurants. I was in four stadiums. Like at the time we left, it didn't seem risky at all. This seemed like something that was happening in other countries. And if no, it happens March here, 2nd, I had my son's birthday party. I just gotten back from Tanzania actually. And I can remember I was over there one night and, uh, I feel kind of out of sorts anyways when I'm multiple time zones out of town and i saw that it had moved to italy and this is like late february and it was it, it was really crushing italy a little bit and one i was worried about getting back home because i had to fly through amsterdam you know and two uh i just was like man you know what's it going to be like when i get home well we had my son's birthday party because it hadn't gotten to the point yet where things were crazy um, and we did it at one of the dirtiest, most German-fested places you could do it, which is a trampoline, indoor trampoline, <laughs> like, jungle gym part. So I'm like, kids so loved I'm, it, I'm sure. Yeah, they did. But I, the whole time there, and I was a little ahead of the curve on the paranoia because uh, that's how I am. I was like, fuck, should we be doing this? Well, luckily, you know, knock on wood, God willing, everybody's good, and that's been a month now. Um, but yeah, it's just there was a time period that was very precarious for us as a country. Because we weren't being fed the the necessary, you know, cautious attitude that we right. should have. But there were still a lot of people assembling in big groups over that week. Yep. My my wife said to me before I left, uh, you know, are you sure this trip is a good idea? And I said, yeah, it's fine. And if it comes here, 
based on what they're saying, it's going to impact. Over your head. Oh, I'm going to be I'm going to be hearing about this the rest of my life. I don't know if you're unlucky you survived because now you're just, right. She's going to be right. That's the ultimate. You know, uh, as soon as you're out of your little uh, your little man cave here. Yeah. So. So she was like, are you sure you should go? And I said, ah, if it comes here, it's going to affect the old people. It's going to affect people with health problems. I'm healthy. I got nothing to worry about. We're going to be smart. It's no big deal. And while we were down in spring training, uh, it like the world kind of changed. I feel like it was probably Tuesday of that week, so March 10th or whatever it was, when we kind of flipped on the news at the hotel. And it was like, oh. And that's when they were – at that point – they were talking about playing NBA games without fans. Like that's where we were that yeah, week. Yeah, I remember that period because everybody was so indignant about the NCAA tournament. Why don't they just delay it? Like you know, blah blah blah. And what changed in a, a span of seventy-two hours? And it was like dominoes because it was top-down leagues that made decisions and organizations that made decisions. If you remember, the Ivy League was out ahead of it. But I yep. remember that morning that. You know, I, I'm ashamed to say this because we didn't know the, the the full scope of the seriousness of this thing. We knew it was going to be serious. There was there were some conference games, uh, conference tournament games. I think it was uh, Washington State, Colorado. Ten o'clock. That actually game. started, right? And, and I'm no. This is the night before they started canceling everything. I'm oh. thinking I got to get my bets in on these games. They're going to cancel. <laughs> they're they're about to cancel everything. The next day. You wake up and you're like, oh, that's that's weird. Uh, you know, who was it in the Big East tournament uh, that they canceled the game mid 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 game? That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, it, you know, it was an eerie morning in Greensboro, watching on TV in the AC tournament. Like nobody was really at the, the the game, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I could see the tournament going on with no fans because I think basketball could do that better than football. But people were indignant about the possibility, oh, this is all sensationalism, it's just the flu, this, that, and the third. Imagine, or just thinking back a month ago, that was the attitude that a lot of people had. Um, it's crazy how much has changed, which which makes me skeptical of any, and I, I love positivity, I love good news, but any like positive projections that we have right now, because if you look back a month ago, we were way off on that stuff, so why would we trust ourselves now? Uh, right. As far as being positive about the future when it comes to sports in the summer and even the fall, I'm worried about the NFL season. And I don't say that to say I'm worried about it like that's a primary concern. But if I was a betting man, I don't think week one happens on time. I, I don't know if it does. Um, I was on, uh, uh, not to plug myself here, but I was on WIP last night. I was on WIP in Philly last with, night. With and Eskin, they, tell me you were. You no, he was on. Be, he was on before me. Oh, okay. He was on All before right. me. So I was on WFAN yesterday, and I came on before Daryl Strawberry, and then I came on after Eskin. That's the Mets, kind of a push. That's thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. By the way, I watched. Speaking of the Mets, quick side note: when I couldn't move, I watched legendary game 1986, game six of the NLCS Astros Mets, 16 innings. Five hours, I watched every pitch, knowing everything that was going to happen. That's what, uh, yeah, but that's where, I mean, I think that's where a lot of us are. We're watching old games, we're watching, yeah, you know, we're watching we, whatever. But, we all knew we liked it, um, but now it's all we have. Exactly, and I'll watch that old stuff all day. Um, I was texting with, uh, you know, with, with Bill Siddell, our researcher yep. at the NFL Network. Shout he was watching Bill. it too. Shout out to Sudsy. And we were texting back and forth as we're watching it as if it's happening and we both know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but anyway, as far as the, as far, they asked me if I think it's a good idea that the draft goes, 
goes on and what I think about, you know, the season, which is kind of a loaded question when you work for the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to ask you about that stuff, but go ahead. But, well, what I said was to they the past couple years, um, they turned Saturday the draft when it's not, you know, the headliner names. They turned into this kind of thing where they have cameras over the facilities in places that they might be at a landmark in their city. You know, so they kind of have a template to do the draft with nobody actually there. Right. If you know, if you pay attention for the most part on Saturday, if you watch the draft on TV, you know, desk with Rich Eisen and DJ and you know whoever else, or and there's usually a second desk somewhere. And then on that, it's mostly just fans. You know, they have a, a template to kind of build the draft. I'm not involved in planning the draft at all, but if I had to guess, I would say that's probably what they're working on right now. And they're just going to take the party out of it. Instead of having a big party at your facility, you're going to have your GM at a podium, you know, announcing your pick or whatever it might yeah, be, or your coach be like, or stuff. Be in front of some green screen, like when right. when Joe Biden addressed the nation like three, four weeks ago from his house on a podium, and they like piped it into CNN, and I was like, "This is the the weirdest shit I've ever seen." It's like well, Joe Biden on public access TV looking like he's addressing the nation in a post-apocalyptic setting. <laughs> and, and then I know it's going to be like in the draft. And I have no problem with the draft going on, for the record. I think that it's, you know, like... You I can, might as well. Might can, as well. Yeah, I can understand when people are, you know, concerned about, hey, we need to keep perspective and realize that sports aren't the most important thing right now. I totally agree with that. But, you know, for years, what I've heard from people is that sports are our refuge from real-life headaches and trauma yep. and, and disasters and and I don't see why something as inconsequential in the grand scheme of things uh, as the draft is if it's done remotely and safely couldn't be just a nice little respite for people and you know uh, spin zone here if you're a player that's going to slide this is the year to do it you don't have a right. big draft party around you staring at like you're staring at you <laughs> like you just fucking blew the game you're right. just gonna sit there uh, in solitude and watch uh, watch the names go on on the ticker. So when we when I first went to work, so I was supposed to go to Tampa for free agency, and then actually as a result of the coronavirus, they actually it's weird they cut down how many people were working, but they actually added us at NFL Films. We weren't supposed to be there, but we were there to help um, so that they could stagger shows and crews and control. And we were you know we were part of the solution to try to get on the air safely. Um, and uh, I give them a lot of credit. They did a lot of, they did everything they could to keep us safe as we were at work. It clearly worked if I was sick and nobody else there, uh, you know, got sick. But anyway, I, I, when we first went in that week, I'm thinking to myself, this feels weird. I don't know if this is right. And then as we started doing it, it felt right. And, you know, you could do free agency physicals aside and face-to-face meetings aside. You could totally do, everybody could do free agency from their, from their couch at home, all the GMs and right personnel guys you can do that from home and i can't tell you how many people said to me texts and on twitter or whatever like thank you guys for doing something you're the only live tv on right now that is not coronavirus related that's what that's so, what that's what people you know if if you're anxious if you're in a weird place i'm always one that you know feels like at late at night your head's in a weird place just turn on something live it lets you right. know that you're not alone you know that somebody's yes. out there and I think more than ever right now, people need, uh, you know, some sort of updated, hey, there's something going on besides this virus. And I, that's why I think sports, if done right right now, 
could could do you know society and and uh, people's the morale uh, of this country among sports fans, which most people are, it could do wonders. So I, I do appreciate people that are doing it the right way because yeah, there's only the, the, so much you know news I can watch, as you said, tough right. images, tough figures, which aren't always. The, the entire picture isn't always painted and uh you know it can be hard it can be doom and gloom and it's necessary to spread the doom and gloom because it's a fucking pandemic and people need to take it seriously yeah and the other thing is the, one of the arguments for going ahead with free agency you know i don't know where this originated i don't know if this was the league stance i don't know if this was team stance but one of the things we kept hearing was if we delay it what happens when this gets worse? How far are we going to delay it? So if I'm running the NFL, which I'm clearly not, but if I am, we're the, we're the one major sport that's not, that our regular season was not impacted by this at this, right. at this point. Right. So you know what? We might as well do everything we can to keep the train on the tracks and keep it moving until we have to. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I agree with you. I'm not positive week one's going to happen. Even if the country's safe, just, I mean, you would know this better than me, just from a, just from the players getting in shape and going through camp and getting hit for that first time in, you know, eight months or whatever it is. You need a big you know, runway before you get to do right. speed stuff, and they're not going to get it. Um, college is going to be weird if, if they play it because, you know, these kids need strength training. They need to be really, like, they're not off on their own like an NFL player is. Um and that and that's going to create a really really weird situation for college athletes. I will say this, NFL, uh what do you say Super Bowl uh 2021 St. Paddy's Day uh Dublin <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> that would be a pretty wild time. You know they're tra- you know they're trying to in, dude. Let's go. They're trying to push that international thing. It would fit perfectly into that, I'm right? Just saying. I'm just saying, hey, keep people safe. Let this thing pass, God willing, and we can go back to the motherland on St. Paddy's Day. So you were saying it's a weird time for college athletes. If you were, you know, you're a prolific baseball watcher. Let's say you played baseball in Virginia. And this was your senior year, and you're a guy who, you know, might get drafted, might get signed somewhere, and the season gets canceled, and they give you another year of eligibility. What are you doing? Depends on how much I like my school. If I go to the University of Virginia, I'm probably going to stay. Uh, <laughs> and if I'm going to, uh, I don't want to down anybody's school, but if I'm some other place, uh, I'm probably going to jump ship. It's tough for these athletes. And, and there's going to be a trickle-down effect, too. You know, if you there's an influx of returning seniors that you thought were out the door, the younger guys and girls are put in a weird spot, too. So... It's a mess. Uh, no matter what the solutions are, people have a problem with it. I just hope people can stay as positive and, and, and together on this thing as they can because we do need sports. Um, we don't need it now. Uh, we can have it in some capacity. Uh, and like you said, the reruns, the you know, doing free agency, doing – but if the summer you know, goes on as scheduled, there's always that period. And I know I'm a baseball watcher where it's just <laughs> baseball. That's going to be a struggle with no sports, and it's supposed to be the yeah. baseball time period. I don't know what's going to happen with basketball. Real quick, Jay, because we're running out of time, I wanted to give you an opportunity, if you could, to one, um, give people a message about this thing since you've had it, and then two, like, um, how does your life change now? I mean, does your outlook change having 
hopefully being in the process of uh, of of coming through this thing and on the other side. So to answer the the second one first, I think my outlook on life is going to change. I don't know if I can answer how yet until I get out of my bedroom. Um, but I think I'll probably take better care of my body. And like I said, I'm, I'm considered healthy. Um, I gain weight every football season. It's just part of the grind, especially when you're working six, seven days a week, you eat a lot of catering, you know, you don't necessarily have time to eat right. I don't have time to work out. And when I do, I have no energy. So I gain weight every season. This is my seventh season with the NFL. First season, it was 20 pounds and it was 30 pounds this year. I gained 50 pounds during the season. Um, just from the grind, which is not good. My weight has always fluctuated a lot, but this is kind of, this is extreme. Um, I've been as high as, you know, just short of 300 pounds. I've been as low as 200 pounds in the past five years. Um, I was on my typical, every year in kind of late February, March, I start actually paying attention to my body again. And I had just started doing that when I got sick. So uh, I got the Peloton bike in the basement. Um, my sister works there. I got the family. She's an accountant there. I got the friends and uh, family discount, which is great. Nice. So, uh, so uh, I was down between 12 and 15 pounds in about two weeks before I got sick. And then I've lost close to 20 pounds from being sick. Yeah. Um, so, Tony you know, Baselli an ugly said he lost a bunch of weight too. I was just Tony. About- yeah. Tony Baselli's quote too was great where he said, uh, he said, you know, I almost died and my wife didn't get sick at all. So clearly she's much tougher than me. Um, <laughs> not to compare myself to Tony Baselli because, um, uh, you know, my body's not the same as but his, but, on, I, but go on, but I, but I hear what that's the, that's the boat I'm in. My wife has had a very, <laughs> has had a very slight cough, but isn't sick at all. Hasn't been tested. They said she might be carrying it, but don't worry about it. She's going to be isolated anyway. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's been fine, which if she wasn't fine, she wouldn't be able to take care of me as well as she has. Right. Um, so I got that when, when I read that quote from Tony Baselli, I said, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So anyway, I'll, um, I think if I ever get out of this bedroom, I will take care of my body probably a lot better. I'll probably pay more attention to it. Um, keep my weight down, um, and, uh, and kind of go from there. So like I said, including the coronavirus pounds, I'm down about 30 pounds and I wanted to lose probably at least 60 when the football season ended. So I'm halfway there, even if so this it was, was uh, this was a, uh, this was uh, all part of a plan for you. Yeah, right. I meant to, I meant to do this. I'll not I'll not be able to breathe for a few days if I can lose <laughs> almost twenty pounds. And then just quickly to answer the other question, that the two things I keep telling people, the reason I made that video that you saw and I put on Twitter and Facebook, um, never made it to Instagram. I got overwhelmed uh, with mm-hmm. texts and responses. But uh, the reason I put that there was because I feel I felt like at the time a lot of people still weren't taking it seriously. And I feel like if they see somebody they know, that's when you have that holy shit light bulb moment. You know, and people you know, people who know me know how old I am. They know I'm healthy. They know, you know, um and I think I, I was trying to help turn the light on for some people. And I actually got a couple messages from people who said, Holy crap, this just got real or one person messaged me and said okay, I was being a little loose with the stay at home thing, but I'm staying at home now. So, you know, even if I can help, you know, I don't know the numbers. They say every person who's infected could go on to infect, you know, 10 or 20 or 30, whatever many people it is. So if I can keep a couple people home, you know, I, I felt like I might be making some small difference. And then the other thing is just to listen to your body. My one, my one regret is I should have gone to the hospital sooner than I did. Right. And I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I, I, turned it around relatively quickly um because again you keep you hear about people my age the 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 principal at the middle school in my hometown 
I didn't know him, but uh, it was well known. Yeah, was well known. Forty eight years old, married, three kids, totally healthy, principal, football coach, in great shape, and he went to the hospital with the same symptoms as me and didn't make it out. So you know, I just listen to your body. If you, the thing the doctors told me was look for multiple symptoms. Uh, you know, not just the fever, but the fever and a cough or a fever and trouble breathing. I think. I'm not positive about this, but I think the fever tends to hit most people first because your body starts to try to fight it off before it actually hits. Um, So if you got a fever, pay attention. And if you, you know, even if you don't think it's serious, if you have a cough or trouble breathing or anything like that, uh, listen to your body because you you know, you don't want to be another one of those stories where you're fine one day and the next day you're in the hospital and the day after that you're dead because Nobody wins there. And that's what, just to circle back to that video, that's why I told myself I'm not going to post anything until I have some good news because I didn't want to post, hey, going into the hospital with coronavirus and that be the last thing I ever posted on social media. Right. Yeah, that I said, been, I'm, yeah, that wouldn't have been good. I'm not doing that. And I won't be able to respond to everybody who sends yeah, me well with you. can't so, get in your mentions. Um, right. It, so that's why I said I'm going to wait till I have positive news. So when they told me I could leave the hospital, that was when. That was when I made that video, and I was that video was two forty nine, and I was out of breath when I. I think you did a good thing, man. I mean, my first thought, and I know that people are are cognizant of the fact that you know they don't want to be like, "Hey, look at me." I mean, this is a serious thing, and when I saw you drop that video, for me, I already knew it was serious from the beginning. I've been very paranoid about it, Um, and I know that you mentioned some people's laissez faire kind of attitude about it this this can be faceless for people you know um i think yeah. we're desensitized if we don't see somebody um describing it seeing the symptoms the 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 look on somebody's face as they're trying to talk although i thought it was just a bad angle for you it wasn't you know i wouldn't even look <laughs> but but i mean just seeing, seeing i do somebody, look i do look great in a hospital gown yeah you do look good the the I think the thing is when you a picture paints a thousand, uh, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, and then somebody you know, whether it's a celebrity or, um, and that can go both ways, a celebrity struggling or somebody actually doing pretty well can give you hope, you know, take some of the fear away. But then seeing somebody that actually is going through it and struggling that you would think would be immune to having it and having symptoms. Uh, can can kind of galvanize people to wake the fuck up and be careful. So I think it's really valuable what you did, and uh, I appreciate it. And I'm glad you're doing better. I hope that continues. So please keep me up to speed. And um, everybody in your family is still good and healthy, right? Yeah, I was around my parents, um, who were both in their mid-late 60s. Uh, they're fine. My wife, slight cough, but otherwise is fine. She's healthy. We. Good. We think it might be allergies. She never had a fever. Um, and uh, so my, that, that's why I was around family-wise when I was potentially, you know, uh, you know, at risk to expose other people. And again, everybody everybody at work is fine too, which is a miracle. I, I don't know how I would have dealt with that if I would have gotten somebody I work with sick and right. God forbid something, you know, they got real sick or God forbid died. I don't know how I would have dealt with that. I don't know how I would have gone back to work. Well, I'm um, glad you're okay. I'm glad we don't have to think about that. And uh, when the world flips uh, back right side up, we uh, we can get a beer. And I know you're yeah. looking like John Baystow again because uh, <laughs> 30 down. You say you want to lose more, my man. We we got to catch up when things are good. And I'm glad you're I'm glad you're okay. Thank you so much. Real quick before we go, so I mentioned I watched Tiger King. 
Um, I had a great run. In, I had a great run in the hospital in a row on AMC. I had uh, Major League Top Gun Speed, The Matrix, back to back to back to back. The best movie so with, you just mentioned was Major League. Yeah, uh, amazing, amazing. I haven't seen The Matrix probably since it first came out. I still don't know that I totally get everything going on there, but that's a that's a different conversation. It's one of those movies that maybe throws enough shit at you, and and they they now I don't know that Reddit was around when Matrix, but The Matrix was made for Reddit, and I think sometimes the the writers they just pull that's, the trigger and say, "Fuck it, we don't even need to have a rhyme or reason." People on Reddit, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna make it up anyway. Reason. We just sit back and say, "Yeah, that's what it's about." So I, I watched those in the hospital. That was really about all I watched in the hospital and, and some news, but I didn't, that was about it. Um, I saw, like I said, I saw Tiger King. I've been meaning to start Ozark for a couple of days now, and I, I want to have a chunk of time where I know I'm not going to fall asleep. And I can watch several episodes in a row. And Being I just a good place there. mentally. Yeah. Um, I, I did watch in the middle of the night when I woke up and couldn't sleep two nights in the past week. I've watched like four Law and Order episodes in a row, which is great. Um, but I want to know from you, what do I need to watch next? Ozark aside, what do I, where, where do I need to go next? Ooh, you're Ozark. The uh, well, I always say this because, okay, you know how Carol, okay, so Carol Baskin recently uh, has kind of reopened the investigation into the disappearance of her ex husband, Don, who's presumably deceased. Uh, and it reminded Pres- me, presumably, I mean, you- unless he pulled off the, the biggest, you know, um, catch me if you can of all time. Um, right now I would say digging into the, uh, okay. Watch Gamora. It's an Italian, uh, mob kind of spinoff. Thing. How do you it's spell that? Subtitles. I, I dude, fuck Gamora. Like what is in the Bible? Um, okay. It's an Italian, uh, mobster. It's like a season or two. It's not going to take you long. Watch Jinxed with Robert Durst. If you haven't seen that one, that's what Carol Baskin's deal reminded me of. It is Jinxed? one of, yeah, it's six episodes. It's one of the, Robert Durst was this r- really rich guy that did some bad stuff, did some murdering. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, he got, he got got, um, you know, as far as I'm on Ozark right now, uh, I went through Tiger King, but I haven't been able to keep up because I've been trying to churn out pods. I'm trying to talk to like one person a day here and keep people engaged and do my little part. So yeah, let me know if you stream anything good. Um, you know, oh, you know what I just realized? I watched the first two episodes of Don't Fuck With Cats. I haven't, oh, I haven't that's watched very the good. last one It's yet. very good. It finishes very strong. I haven't watched the last one yet. So check that one out as well. All right. I'll have right. to come back to you with a book report. All right, you got your 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 uh, you got your homework assignments. You're working from home in your man cave. Uh, yeah, you keep me posted now. Okay, I'm glad you're doing better, man. Thanks for the time. Thank you so much for having me, man. Good to talk to you, and we'll catch up soon. Okay, Jay, talk to you.